This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Uh, yeah, the intro didn't confuse you. Um, this is our first episode as part of uh, Talk Sports Fan Network, which is, you know, an exciting opportunity for us. Um, you know, I think when we were approached by the team there, it was one that, you know, I discussed with the rest of the lads and we felt that, you know, not only was it, you know, to be associated with Talk Sport and they're, you know, the other, the biggest radio station in the world. So having that name under your brand is a real privilege for us. And uh, we can't thank the team there enough, but also, you know, offers the opportunity to, um, you know, better our content down the line and in the, and in the immediate future also. And um, yeah, hopefully um, it's a better experience for you guys listening. But um, yeah, we're excited by the whole project and hopefully that is portrayed in the content we do produce moving forward um, in the coming weeks and of course the next season also. Um, cool. Gents, Ross, how are we? Are you all good? Yeah, usual. Just working away. Good man. And, and Joe, how are we, mate? Yeah, all good. Um, I mean, it still is remains to be seen what division we'll be uh, reporting on Don's on next season. But um, yeah, good to have them on board, as you said. Yeah, well, I say, uh, I think, I think uh, the fans are getting the pitchforks out at the moment in terms of the football, and I, I can't really blame them. Um, we'll get into Vale now, and I mean Vale away. I, I actually quite enjoyed today, to be fair. I've always quite enjoyed Port Vale away. Listen, it's a bit of a hole, but Stoke in general. But I think the actual away experience at Port Vale, especially, and and Stoke also is is pretty decent. Um, just a shame that. The, the football against Port Vale away where we lost 1-0 on the weekend was absolutely shocking like and I know um, some of the other lads have got comments as to was it as bad as this game and things like that but I just didn't you're sort of watching the game and you couldn't see anything from that Don's team that really really inspired you Um, even from the start of the game they weren't really doing too much and you know the, the stats kind of reflect that you know no shots on target in the first half uh, less than 40% possession in that first half and then Okay, they had more of the ball in the second, but they didn't really do anything with it. And and of course the goal the goal for Port Vale comes from a silly set piece given away, a scuffed shot, a full strike to their centre back is unmarked in like the twelve yard box. It's yeah, it's, it's a very frustrating game and I know there's been a lot of a lot of um, backlash from this game that we're gonna to touch upon definitely and even from, you know, some of the, the club's media sources, which is, is rare we see that, but I'm glad we have seen it. Um, but before we get into all of that, 
Um, Ross, obviously, it was... Um, I like to think our car journey was, was not spoken about the football at all, probably for a good reason. But um, I know you had time to reflect on it. How did you find uh, Port Vale? Um, just really deflating. Um, and just a negative experience as a fan. Um, and I don't think any words will describe how I felt after the game. Um, just anger. Um, as I say, deflate, deflated. Um, and it's just ironic how the club come out and say we've got to stick together because of um, the way the way we fought on Saturday um, was poor, um, and they haven't learned their lesson um, against teams who play ugly. Um, we talked we talked about we've got the easier run as such. I think that's a like, I think that's just an excuse. I think. Teams who have got something to fight for, like Port Vale, they've still they're still fighting for safety, no matter what people thought um, before the game. So we was me and Jordan were speaking to two Port Vale fans, and they were saying um, that, that that they reckon that MK would beat us today, um, just through Port Vale having no attacking intent in the past few games. And how ironic that is, the fact that we didn't we didn't did trouble them to anything whatsoever. Um, and to a man, I think it's just embarrassing. Um, similar to similar standards to what the Lincoln first half was, and I didn't feel like things could get any worse than that first half. That but they did. Um, and if it weren't for Jamie coming, um, smart stop in the second half, and then they hit the post, we probably should have lost that game two three nil. And yeah, so I've obviously. Um, We've we've heard from Jacko, the players, and obviously from Sweet and the fans about this fight and doing our talking on the pitch, um, and that's just put everything up in the air. Where when will the players start fighting for the for the club? And I know we can laugh about it after the game and say with Milky Dons this and that, but at the end of the day, we got top the start of the summer. These players were given long term contracts because of we we didn't want to get stung like we did last summer and we've given all these long term contracts out and what have we got to show for it we're in a relegation battle and we're fighting for points and it's just as as I said earlier it's just so embarrassing at the moment because of um we're we're handing out all these big big hand contracts and um I just feel um these players are just taking it for granted yeah, yeah, I can relate to a lot of that. And as I said, you know, we, we tweeted out after the game that we didn't think it could get much worse than that Lincoln first half. And uh, I think we have to be careful what we wish for sometimes because it was absolutely abysmal. Um, and yeah, there was there really wasn't much fight from the players at all. Um, you know, it was like they were playing a pre-season game or in-house friendly, in my opinion. There was, wasn't anything that we weren't trying to go for the game. Um and when they were, it was just some half ass effort that you didn't really fancy. I think our first shot on target in the game was was a half volley from Dawson's void that the keeper basically just, you know, he clapped his hand about 10 times before the ball came to him. So, um, yeah, pretty poor. Joe, I'm sure you share the thoughts of me and Ross. Yeah, I think um, deflation is probably the biggest word I can, um, you know, if, I'd, if you had 
had some word, it was just deflation. Um, you know, because we actually came back and looked really good in the second half against Lincoln. So you think, right, okay, let's use that as a springboard. And it wasn't even anything that happened in the first half. It was just from the off, it was absolutely miles off it. Um, that midfield of Johnson and Magoma, I mean, well, Magoma's been playing really well recently, so decide yourself who the, who the uh, odd one out is there. Um, Jonathan Lecco, I think we should mention as well, he, he's been suspended for three games for an off-the-ball incident um, against Lincoln. Yep. So, very idiotic, uh, violent conduct it was. I think it was a kick-out. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Zach Jules, at the time of recording, Zach Jules has not received any punishment, but there's a clear elbow by Zach Jules on a Port Vale player waiting for a free kick. Um, yeah, if he gets it, it's, it's deserved because he's been an absolute idiot. Um, but yeah, I think Saturday was maybe the first time where I've actually looked at it and said, oh, do you know what? I think that might have actually been Jackson. Um, it obviously, you know, look, it's not his fault entirely that we lost, but I don't think that the changes he made to the team helped. Um, we played, went to three at the back. And look, when you, when you look at it, you say, actually, do you know what? That makes sense because we played against Sheffield Wednesday and Bolton with wing backs, and they absolutely tore us a new one. So you think, okay, right, Port Vale play wing backs. If we play wing backs as well, we match them up, the number, you know, we even up the numbers, etc. I mean, they were having three versus ones against us on the wing. Port Vale were, and they haven't won in seven. Um, and then, obviously, you then completely nullify your attacking threat because then you've only got two attackers. And where Leko and Kai Kai were so effective in the three going forward was how wide they were and how they'd have so much space. But then it was Kai Kai and Isa in the middle with the boys sort of just floating anywhere. Um, I think it was about 35 minutes in. I had a look on my phone and MK Don's midfielders... Devoy, Johnson and Magoma, they'd completed a combined 12 passes, I believe it was. Um, we had no control, we had no grip on the game and after they scored their first goal, which, by the way, the players were still arguing and pointing at each other as the free kick was coming in, you know. So, um, Camden Paul, I'm sure many people know, he was behind us saying, they're not even ready, they're not even looking, they're not even looking at the free kick and as a result, they have about four, we have about four chances to clear it None of them get taken, and um, they score a really just crap goal. I mean, great finish from the centre back, I have to say, but it was, it was like ping pong in our box, and none of the none of the balls actually went to any of our players. Um, but yeah, I thought that second half things. I mean, look, they're going to be sitting back a bit more and holding on to the leads. So you know, because if you actually look at the end of the game, it was thirteen shots to nine. But as soon as they conceded, as soon as we conceded that first goal, it was like a boxer that's been knocked down, and you're just waiting for that knockout blow. They were, they had us on the ropes, and we were absolutely everywhere. It was actually quite disgusting watching it because you had Bradley Johnson, Jack Tucker, Zach Jules, Tanai Watson, Henry Lawrence, just all over the place. I think Dan Harvey, who came out after the game and said he's not too sure if any of the players actually want this. And how many of them, you know, are actually up for the fight? I, I'm, I don't care what people say about him. He's been one of the few players that actually has tried to take the game by the scruff of the neck in the last six weeks. Um, he, he never, he, look, he might not be great going forward, but he never shirks tackle. He's never given less than 100%, which, yeah, OK, is bare minimum. But, you know, the quality might not be there in the final third, but not many people get the better of him at left back. He doesn't make the clangers that you see a Tucker or a Jules make in the past. You know, 
Tanai has been virtually non-existent, I think. I mean, look, I, I know Getty's come back from injury, but he's had a good run of 10, 12 games now in the team. And we're yet to see anything rivaling the form that he showed last season. You know, I think I put Dan Harvey as one of the top three most consistent players this season. So, you know, and and the, those other players I named in the back line, they've really been hit and miss. You know, Jules, he's had his moments, but he's, you know, he's shown so many idiotic sides to his game. Tucker, again, has had his moments. Portsmouth way, defended amazingly well. But then we've also seen, you know, him being turned on his ass or give the ball away or be poor as well. Um and I know it's a really lazy sort of prehistoric way, maybe in the modern game of looking at it, but I, you do kind of question the the desire of some of these players. You know, Max Dean, you could see he came on and he was up for it. He was putting himself about. The quality might not have been there, but you could see it. And whether that was just him pandering to us as fans or or not, you know, you could see that, that was someone who was really trying to get involved, get stuck in and do that bit. Same with Harvey. Um you know, we've seen it from McEachran in recent weeks. You know, he's he's quite a, you know, in, in stature, he's not exactly um, a big guy, but he certainly throws himself about Josh McEachran. And I don't think there's going to be any denying that he's hiding away from the responsibility he's got in this team. Um, but I think maybe with a few players, you maybe would question that slightly. And um, it just so happens to be in a position where we have no alternatives. So I think... Um, you know, the big thing is um, Anthony Stewart and uh, Dean Lewington, they can't come back soon enough in my eyes. Yeah, and I mean, if, when and when, when they come back, I mean, the real question is, are they going to be rushed back? And they probably are going to be rushed back. So, you know, we know with Louis that he rarely gets injured, especially to this extent that he has been recently. But, you know, it's, we need them back. But at the same time, we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, rule them out completely at all. But it's a tough one. And obviously, you know, as you mentioned, Joe, you know, we are... We are expecting Jules to be suspended, I suppose. Um, that so I think the referee actually saw it on the highlights. On the highlights, you see the referee is looking at them and he runs straight over. And I think that the rule is if he sees it, he can't then... They can only review something that the referee didn't see. That is my two cents on it. Don't take it as gospel, but that I, I personally don't expect it to be reviewed. Okay. Well, I mean, I think I think the... After seeing the clip anyway, I think the majority feel that it's probably give you a good chance that he is suspended for the next three. So, but I hope he isn't, of course. Um, we definitely need him. Uh, it's one of our only two fit centre backs in the squad. But, um, you know, Ken wanted this chat about thoughts on, you know, formations given the personnel. And obviously he's mentioning that, assuming that Jules is going to be out. But, Ross, what do you reckon in terms of regards to whether? Stack is out of the next couple of games or not? What what formation would you go back to the four two three one? Would you stick with this five back or three back that Jacko implemented, or what would you do? I think you you've got to stick to the four at the back. I think we have had some performances this season, um, Plymouth. Um, that that there have have been performances of recent as well, where you could say, yeah, fair enough. Um, individuals' mistakes have cost us, but you can't rule, you can't take out the attacking factor. But as I say, I don't know whether it's confidence. I don't know whether these players have, or as I say, that Jackson says about obviously not looking at the table too much or have these players looked at the table and realised what actually Shit Creek looks like at the moment. Um, but in terms of the, Kane's question, I would personally be sticking four at the back. This is what they've been training under Jackson for. Um, 
people banged on about how Manning recruited for four at the back. Well, I mean, proof's in the pudding, right? And um, it's at the moment, it's a case of deflecting the blame onto someone. And that's not always the case in my eyes. I feel like at the moment it is collectively a problem. Um, the players aren't stepping up. The manager's sometimes getting it wrong. And then obviously you can obviously look further above, which we'll talk about later on. But just overall, I just feel, why why just keep chopping and changing? We saw this earlier on in the season. It didn't work. Chopping and changing. We need consistency. And um, I just feel with certain players in this team, they, they either they need to look at themselves in the mirror um, and have a hard think about themselves, whether they want to be here next year or get them out of the squad because of there are other players in this squad which will come and do well or try and do a better job than what they're doing. And I think the standards they're setting is so low that whoever comes in will do a job. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And obviously, you know, various, um, whether you like them or not, analytical models, I think for the first time this season, are, are predicting Dons to go down. Um, and I have checked historically, this is the first time this season that that's been the case. And so, you know, we're in a position now where we are projected to go down, as, as it, but down to the fourth division once again of English football. So, you know, changes have to be made and, you know, hard decisions have to be made also. So that's... Uh, that's an interesting topic. We'll talk about chat about later. But obviously, there was, as you mentioned at the start of the episode, there was you know various uh, media sources coming out today, um, this week with plenty of articles, chats, thoughts on what's happened this week and over the whole season, really, as to what's happened with Dons and where we are in the league. And I think the main one that caught the most attention was Toby Locke's article. Um, and you know, I'm sure you've, most of you have seen it already. But if not, you can check out Toby's. Um, article on his Twitter. Um shouldn't have scrolled down too far to find it. But um obviously he mentioned about how, you know, he's as angry as everyone and as a fan as as a journalist of the club that he has been for such a long time now. And to be fair, I didn't actually think he'd power statement like this. I've been a bit critical of him in the past and I think this is the first piece of work in years he's actually done where he's uh you know he's he's finally he's put a decent bit of work and he's been honest about his feelings about the club and things like that. But I think one of the main quotes that stuck out to me from this article was that, you know, and I'll read it as it is on here. So, uh, tasked with building your team's challenge the league one supremacy, um, they, as in the recruitment team and the club in general, um, built one instead, heading out the division in reverse. Not just that, a plethora of fan gripes, a pitch only half installed, a football club feeling like the third most important party in their own stadium, which is an important point we'll get on to later. Um, and it all mounts up to a dismal and morbid feel around the place. Joe, that, that quote for me sums up the mood around the club um, and everywhere quite well, really. I mean, yeah, I've kind of broke, I mean, done my own little, if you want, um, uh, analysis of the situation and sort of I've separated it into four sections of what is wrong. And I don't think any one thing is the main problem or you know I don't think anything is solely to blame I think it is a combination of all four but I mean first of all let's start the players and look it's not been great so far and many have been thrown in at the deep end but we have plenty of players who have been who have performed at this level or higher in the not too uh not too um like distant past um you've got the likes of Tanai Watson and um, McEachran the first half of the season was 
the passenger for many games. Uh, Bradley Johnson, championship pedigree. Ethan Robson, we've seen more than, you know, we've seen what he is more than capable of in the first half of last season. Nathan Holland, I think in 20-odd starts last season, he had 10 goals and assists contributions for Oxford United. Um, Will Grigg, you know, he, he Rotherham fans absolutely loved him last season for his work rate and what he did and how he combined with Matt Smith. Um, and then Matt Smith himself, we've just not seen the guy. Um, and it's say someone that you think maybe we could have been relying a bit more on. And Jack Tucker as well, as, as we've mentioned before, brought in as, you know, the Harry Darling replacement as such. And we've seen glimpses of it, but we've seen nowhere near the consistency which we need, really. And, you know, after the summer, you know, people can always uh, say about the players, but after the summer, um, journalists, bookies and, um, you know, a football league podcast, things like that, they, had, they didn't have us... Um, you know, at third, where we finished last season. But pretty much all of them had us in the top 10, had us competing for the playoffs. Um, and then I guess you can come on to the managers. You know, people have blamed Liam Manning and Mark Jackson. Overall, as you said, our numbers have been OK. We've not re necessarily been relegation form. And there's so many games where, you know, OK, start the season, we were woeful. But post-October, we put in some decent performances. Even the Fleetwood and Burton games where... I think they were Manning's last two games. You know, we outplayed the opposition in both of them, but we succumbed to a 30-yarder and a penalty. And that's just the sort of luck that you get when... And ultimately, I do think letting Manning go was a bit harsh, but I think it was the right decision in the end. And Jackson, you know, a lot of what he's done has worked. He's made us better going forward. Um, but again, it's been mis mistakes by players that have let the managers down. And so, look, I'm not saying the managers are without blame because both the, both Manning and Jackson have, have made mistakes along the way. But I definitely wouldn't say that they're the biggest problem by no, mean, no, by no means. And, um, you know, and then I think the big one is recruitment as well. Again, we, we know last season's squad was actually threadbare. But actually, if anything, we've now got a squad that's too big. But whether or not maybe this was Manning pushing for numbers early meaning that we potentially missed out on top targets later on in the window. Because I think if you remember, we got a lot of our signings done quite early and we did move really quite quick to do our business. So could that have hampered us perhaps? Um, and then actually, if you look at it, the January window, every player we've brought in has improved us. Kai Kai, Leko um, on permanent deals. Magoma on loan, who's been, I think, quite good actually, to be quite honest with you. Um, and then Anthony Stewart, well, we're crying out for him to be fit. And that's just pure dumb luck. You know, he's played the full season of Aberdeen and and then for him to come down and be injured. So actually, you'd say that actually four out of four in January and all of them have improved us. Um, you've got to say, OK, look, it's not like, you know, I'm not, let's not have a party and all that. But it's, you know, in, in the five, six windows or whatever Sweeten's had, I mean, we've had one bad one. OK, it... That, but that's bad in retrospect. A lot of us weren't necessarily saying it was bad at the time. And that's why I do put a bit more weight on the actual players themselves. Um, and then, of course, there's the Pete Winkleman thing. And people yeah. challenging the Should we, should we wait on Pete from the folks on the, the actual on-the-pitch stuff, I suppose? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, um, I've, got, I've got my section there. I can come back to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to focus on the players... The head coach is plural and the recruitment because, yeah, and I, I listen. We'll definitely chat about P. I think there's the separate of me, especially with P, in terms of what he said this season and what's actually happened. But 
Yeah, I think I think the players the, the players have to have a huge part to say in all this. I know Toby Locks mentions about how he feels sorry for some of them because of oh they would would of course they're joint stadium MK. Look at the stadium, look at where we were in the league last season. But no, ultimately you you join the club with that expectation to do that well. And yeah, you know, it's not it's not their fault that in some ways that you know they've they've expectation they that expectation of getting top ten, getting top six on them. Like many of the as Joe said, bookies, journalists, even us said that we think they do. But to put out some performances they have this season, you know, Barnsley, uh, the first half of Lincoln, obviously Port Vale on Saturday, um, it, it's unacceptable, really. And you can't, I think even even non-professional footballers, you can, you can hold them accountable for those type of performances, regardless of what level they are in the, in the English pyramid. Um, really, really bad. And... You know, whilst you know, whilst Joe mentions about recruitment, and obviously, I'm sure once Ross give his thoughts, we'll touch on Liam Sweeting's quote unquote letter earlier, which uh, is an interesting topic. Um, the recruitment, whilst it has been, you know, it, it was it was bad in the summer, and I think to call it bad is an understatement. It, it was a disaster, um, really. Now, on on reflection, hindsight, you know, yeah, we we got some players in that we knew from Robson, um, as Joe mentioned, Will Grigg, who. You know, we thought, even with Greg, we thought wasn't actually going to be a starting player, but as a third-choice striker for Mo and someone else, you know, fantastic. You know, he scored goals for us in the past in League One. Um, and, you know, as a as a bench option, yeah, maybe that's great. But, you know, to be starting, I don't know how many games start of the season, but it's got to be 20-plus, surely, or some maybe 15-plus in terms got, of... And, and with that, you know, you, have, you say about the starting striker role. I mean, Matt Dennis... He was probably viewed as the third or fourth choice striker, and he got thrown in for like the first five or six games of the season, didn't he? Because I think Grigg was out injured for a period of time. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like all these young players have been thrown into it. You know, we mentioned about Devoy and Burns previously, but you know Dennis is perfectly correct. Um, even even Tucker, in many ways, I know we spent a lot of money on Tucker, and I think it's been well reported how much spent on him in terms of uh, fees that have mounted up over this season because of he's had to play, but. Even Tucker's been thrown in the deep end, and he's he's drowned really badly. And and, and I'm hoping I hope he comes out of it at some point. But yeah, he's just that's that's the thing that we've we've thrown some young lads into a really bad situation, and they're just not they've just not come out of it well. Um, some more than others maybe, but overall, it's been a yeah, it's been a that that group of players and recruitment. And I don't really put any blame on the two managers that much anyway. I think Manning holds more blame than Jackson does, one hundred percent. Um, you know, Manning was the one that was training these lads for six months. Manning was the one that helped recruit these players on the whole. Um, and obviously he's been sacked for that. And, you know, whether, that, whether you view that as harsh or not, you know, he didn't exactly set the world alight this season. Um, and, you know, Jackson has, has, has tried to, is trying his utmost, I'm sure, to sort these players out. But there's only so much he can do. At the end of the day, he was dealing with lead youngsters who, let's face it, until he football, is full of personalities and egos. You know, you're playing for one of the biggest clubs in in the country and Leeds, and you're getting Amazon, Amazon documentaries made of you. You know, you get first team appearances straight away, like Greenwood, uh, Geldhart, uh, even Lewis Bates is Oxford now did as well. So, you know, he's he's come from a background of dealing with kids, and you know, in some ways, a lot of the players are being treated like kids right now. They're not really holding themselves accountable, not performing on the pitch, and there's no one really there to at the moment sort of you know whip them around a bit and get them going and you know Louis and Stuart come back is fantastic they probably need them but is it too little too late and is the writing on the wall potentially 
Uh, Duffy, uh, players, managers, recruitment. Talk to me. Where do you want me to start? Anywhere you um, fancy. You can you you can notice on my my whole energy about Don's recently is just it's going through the floor. But um, just starting with the players. Well, I think it's quite clear the players haven't stepped up, um, and I guess is the recruitment falls in into this sort of cat- category as well because of how I see it. If I'm spending money in the transfer window, and we're talking serious money for Don's anyway, Tucker. Uh, Matt Smith, um, Matt Smith, who hasn't featured in the first team or has, hasn't had a start in how long. That's that's a, a thing what worries me. Um, we've ploughed this money into these players and we've been told throughout the season, um, back in, I think it was um, before the Wickham game at home, um, Liam Sweeten and Manning came out and said, you've got to trust these players and you've got, you've got to get behind them and stick together. And the, the, the common theme was to stick together. And then when Manning got sacked, the same thing was being said in December. Uh, stick together. These players will get us through this. We've had positive performances. And we've just had a letter today regarding the same thing. And it's just like, well, you're saying stick together, but these players aren't shown us or making the fans get behind something and that's how it works for fans and football football clubs in general you've got to do your your job on the pitch for the fans to do their job and i think the players have to be as you say liam accountability that's a perfect word for this scenario they've got to take responsibility for their actions and come in harvey isa tonight josh mckechran all really good performers last year whether they came off the bench or not they had an impact on the team and out of them, out of them five, I, I I couldn't even name one to say that, yeah, fair enough, they've had a good season. The only issue is, is yeah, we've we've relied on young players and you say sink or swim. I expect some to, to sink, but not all of them. And that's the issue at the moment. All of them are sinking. And this is where you expect your senior players to step up and grab it with two hands. And I'm not going to put the blame on Louis because Louis's been injured. He's had to take the manager's role. He's obviously focusing on our recovery. So you can't blame this on Louis. The ones I'm blaming is Bradley Johnson, a senior player who's played at the championship football. How many appearances? Probably over like 200 appearances at championship level. And he literally looks like a non-league player in the team. And I know it's harsh to say this, but I think... When you're seeing performances like we did on Saturday, where the team looked completely lost, and Danny Harvey's got the bollocks to come and say, I want that armband, that says something in itself as well. Responsibility from your senior figures in the team to get you through them sticky periods is what you want. And I just don't see enough of that at the moment. Um, and yeah, Joe mentioned about Harvey, recent performances, yeah. He's probably been the more average one at the team. And yeah, fair enough. He's held his home some games. But when the whole team's conceding five and then five again, I just feel like you can't really look at that positive. But in the same breath of form, as I said just a minute ago, he's got the captain's armband and he's you can see he's trying to be vocal. But sometimes it looks like he's speaking to a brick wall. And um, that that's it at the moment. And... That goes on to the recruitment. Like, 
Liam Sweeten, he hasn't covered himself in glory at all. And I just feel at the moment he, ha he hasn't got much right this season. Uh, yeah, you can look at the positives of January, but I just feel the club are holding all their faith in Lewington coming back. And I can already see it. I can see what's going to happen. He'll have two good games. We're back on the right way and he'll get injured again. They'll push him too hard. They, they will. And then, obviously, um, others will come back from injury and the same will happen with them. But I think the most concerning part is for me is the summer because of, I said earlier about these long-term contracts. Well, these players got, what, year year and a half, two-year contracts and they're sitting in League Two and they probably had one of the worst seasons of their careers and they're getting away with murder pretty much. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you pretty much said that quite well there nicely in terms of, you know, the players and the, the summer is very worrying. I know a lot of people want us to chat about, um, you know, if we get relegated, when we get relegated, what happens to A, B, C, D? Um, you know, let, let's leave it a few weeks and we'll chat about that. Let's see how we get on against Cambridge, um, Accrington and Morecambe before we start talking about relegation. Um, you know, while some of us do think that it's taking more and more likely, um, let's, whilst, whilst maybe they don't deserve it, Let's give the players the, the chance to redeem themselves in the next two, two, three, two, three games, and uh, we'll see where we are from there. Um, Joe, I know you've got to shoot off in a minute, so give us your thoughts on this uh, Liam Sweeting letter, and then roll into your thoughts on Pete. Yeah, I mean, I think the Sweeting letter was maybe prompted by the article from Toby Locke, and you know, there's been a lot of negative discourse. And one thing I would say is, I think that anyone who's advocating that someone you know, loses. I mean, look, I understand you think someone else could do a better job, but some of the stuff is like is personal. And this is a bloke that he probably lives in Milton Keynes. He's probably, you know, he's in the local area. He's he's working probably longer hours than you and I. And look, it's not for the want of lack of trying. And um, and I'm not just saying that because we had him on the podcast. But some of the abuse, like I've seen someone say, "Let me know where he lives," or you know, just really horrible stuff and that is just vile and stupid um he's at the end of the day do you think he's doing this on purpose to try and ruin our club you're having a laugh this guy he's you know if it's his career on the line as well and i don't think people realize this that you know advocating someone to lose their job actively it's just really not in good taste um but it's not to say that he's done a great job. But one thing I would say is that, you know, if you look at his body of work, I'd say overall he's done pretty well. However, the latest body of work may may cost us potentially. Um, and this letter, I don't really have an opinion on it as such. It's very fluffy, isn't it? I think it's sort of just, you know, I think it's more just acknowledging the the negative press out there recently. And just saying, look, come on, guys, just it's just, you know, a few more games, just give us, you know, just hopefully we'll get through it and then we'll see where we are. And look, I understand why he's done it. And but I just, yeah, I think I don't think there's too much we can gain gain from it or anything, really. Um, but yeah, just one, I just, you know, I think I'm all for people saying that maybe, you know, a manager, they think a different manager could do better or someone else could do better in, the, in their positions, but making it personal is just a bit bit of a bad taste um yeah in terms of pete i think you know I've, I've obviously seen a lot of abuse for pete a man that's done let's face it so much for the city over this 
few years. We wouldn't literally wouldn't be here without him, uh, like him or loathe him. Um, but I think for me, the question kind of stems around, you know, almost striking while the iron was hot in the summer, capitalising on momentum on and off the pitch. Off the pitch, we t- we had six crowds of over a thousand consecutively. When have we ever had that? Don's like mid-table in an away, you know, and this is especially down to Don's action. But I'll tell you what, it's not bloody, you know, the, the team being doing well, that doesn't half help bring the crowds in. Let me tell you that for, for one thing. And, you know, and, and with success, we, we sold a few players. Uh, Matt O'Reilly, Andrew Fisher, Scott Twine, Kasuma and Harry Darling, probably the headline ones. Now, the rumoured, you know, rumoured figures, you know, you're probably placing that around maybe six, seven million, something like that. But then when you take into sell take into account maybe the sell-on fees to Cambridge, to Swindon, Fulham had a sell-on on Matt O'Reilly, you know, you're still probably talking four or five million, probably, in money in. You know, how much have we invested that into the squad? How much have we invested that into the pitch? Which is, you know, we we all know a couple of the lads that do the pitch and they're good lads and um they're not idiots. They're not just crap at their jobs. You know, it's the investment is needed in the pitch. It's, I think, I believe it's the same pitch since two thousand and eight. That's fifteen years. You know, the pitch looks absolutely amazing in the summer when the sun is out. However, in the winter, when you know the sun, I think we've got the the most shadows in the ground of, of the, in the EFL or something like that. Um, in terms of you know the exposure that the the pitch gets to the sunlight, and that's why you know every winter you see it turns into a rugby pitch, and you even had you know we're hosting all these big events, and how embarrassing is it that the England women's national manager comes out and slags it off? Um, so it's just little things like that, you know, the season ticket benefits being stripped away, um, not you know people, a lot of people said quite quietly, but it's almost you know that's by the by, but I think. Um, you know, I do not begrudge Pete for for wanting to maybe plug the plug, put a plug in in the the drain that is the football club in terms of how much cash it leaks. It leaks millions of pounds a year, and I do not begrudge him for wanting to recoup some of that. And I'm not going to be there to tell Pete that he needs to put in millions of pounds more because I can't put in millions of pounds more. So I'd be a hypocrite if I'm saying, "Well, why don't you put all of your money into my football club?" You know, just a million, just, mate. You know, the at, at the end of the day, it, it is right that the events and stuff do underwrite the football. However, I just feel that maybe a lack of, not a lack of ambition. Well, maybe it is a lack of ambition, but I mean, I'm not there. I don't see the spreadsheets. I don't see the forecast. But I think both on and off the pitch, there was an opportunity which could have been seized. A momentum with fans and momentum with the on the pitch matters, which we really could have used to our advantage. And I think we fumbled it. And whether or not, you know, for all we know, Pete could have given the war chest to Liam Sweet and then it was just maybe used wrong. I, I doubt that, to be quite honest with you. However, you know, I just think that there was an opportunity there to to go for it as such and have a real good go responsibly, which is, you know, not, I don't mean by that sign loads to 28 and 30-year-olds like maybe Sheffield Wednesday did in, in sort of a, you know, shit or bust tactic sort of thing. Um, and look, it's worked for them, so you can't you can't blame them. But I think, you know, us doing something like that, that would have been a risk. But I think um, there are different things we could have done in the summer and it felt like an opportunity missed by Pete. Um, and I think, you know, it almost leads into the fact of, you know, is his, 
you've you've mentioned about how he's actually you know mentioned quite a few times about take you know someone taking the club off him and how he can't do much more maybe he is is kind of scaling back the investment and you know who who are we to blame him as such yeah i mean on, on that sweeting letter um i feel like it just sums up the the theme on the club at the moment it's just so like there's just nothing there and to be fair i i, I do i think i've seen people say about how it's obviously going to be in, in the match day settlement or the program for saturday and, and that just come across the way it's written but there's just as ross said earlier about how i oh, yeah, sticking together you know they've got 11 games left and you know, I do, I do, I do appreciate it to an extent, but there's just, there's just nothing there. It's very fluffy for me. It doesn't offer much. And to be honest, Ross, it, it kind of implements what the team's like right now, really. Yeah, I'm, I, I read that, and I was really annoyed in terms of like that he made out like um, fans weren't getting behind the team, and, and. In my eyes, if you look, just look at the Sheffield Wednesday, and then you look at Port Vale, and you, and then you obviously Lincoln as well. They they weren't like bad numbers for the football club. We we've went under tougher periods, and we've had poor, more poor followings, uh, better periods, sorry, and had more poor followings. So for him to, and he wasn't digging out the fans, but it's the way I think it was the way it was. Yeah, worded. the way it's worded. Yeah, and it just it just made it out like. Um, he was saying, just get behind the team. And I said, I mentioned it earlier. He's done this. He's done this three times this season, asking for support and getting behind the players. And I get it once. I get it maybe twice, but to do it three times to in the same season to, to the fans, I think is a bit of a bit of a piss take. Um, and whether he meant it is another thing, but I just feel I mentioned it earlier. The the players have to give you something to cheer cheer about. If if they're not if they only get one shot on target, what do you expect the fans at the end of the game to wave them off and salute them and shake their hands? Of course you're not. You're going to receive backlash. And I saw on the Facebook pages, I I take it with a pinch of salt again because it's the Facebook group, but <laughs> how they were criticising fans for swearing at players and this and that. At the end of the day, I I, I do it. I do it. And I'll hold my hands up to it in the heat of the moment. And everyone's got their rash emotions and just, that's just people's responses. Some people leave the ground and just try and move themselves from the situation. But I just feel everyone shows their emotions in whole different ways. And if people feel like they have to do that, they're more than entitled to in my eyes. Yes. I think there's constructive criticism. And then there's obviously beyond that. And obviously, you can work that out for yourselves. But just in terms of just criticism, but people pay their hard-earned money and work all week to come and follow Dons on the road. And to not even see a bit of fight or desire on Saturday, I just feel you can't criticise the fan base for that. And just going back on the Liam Sweet and Letter, I just feel like if you're going to set standards, you need to set standards from the top. And that has to follow it down. And that just goes straight onto the pitch as well. If they want fans to get behind the players in the pitch, there has to be something positive on the pitch for the play for the fans to get behind. So it all works in a circle. 
But it's just, it's just how, as I say, how it was worded just felt like he was taking a little bit of a cheap blow or it was a man who was desperate and needs help urgently. Well, mate, I'm pretty sure he is desperate. I won't lie to you. Um, it's some, yeah, I think for me, if that, if that letter had come from Jacko, a man who, you know, we actually, well, besides his his recently monotone, like, we, we're back-to-back interviews of just nothing. If it actually came from money, you know, with the players every day, you can tell he's a passionate bloke by the way, you know, before his time here, when he's been here, when he's actually started early. If that had come from him, I would have maybe taken it a bit better, but yeah, the way it came from Sweeting, and I saw, I said to you guys, I watched back the the fans forum thing with Liam, um, Andy, and Pete, and listened back to Pete's um, interviews also when Manning got sacked, and yeah, nothing, nothing's really changed, and, and that's the really worrying thing, and it does worry you going into next season, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks' time once these this period of the mini league games have happened, um, but it's a worrying time, and but we'll, we'll finish it all off with Pete and Pete for me and Joe said that to my point quite nicely. I think he's the most worrying out of them all. Um, you know, I think the, the the players and recruitment is one thing being bad, but I feel it's really been doubled down by how Pete and the higher ups of the club, like, like Liam Sweeting, um, for example, Bross, have just dealt with certain situations this season. Like, I don't really care too much about. I care about it to an extent, but not as much as other people do in regards to the home match day experience. For me, the experience is, you know, having a few drinks with your mates and watching good football on the pitch. Last season, that was perfect because we had a fantastic team who, you know, even when they were looked like they were down and, you know, sometimes we lost some big games at home and that was disappointing, but they always were in the game. They were always in the fight. Um, and that's what made you keep coming back. It wasn't because, you know, ultimately you got your season ticket discount on your pie or your beer. Like, realistically, who actually gives two Fs about that? And I think that's the one thing I do agree with Pete with in terms of, you know, the season discounts, whilst they were nice and while, whilst maybe they weren't um, dealt with in the best way, maybe they left a bit of taste in, in the Don's community that he likes to call it. Ultimately, they were, just, they were just a little, like, skimmies. They weren't really massive things. Whereas the football going from where it was last season to this season is an absolutely massive thing, if not the most important thing. Um, I know Pete mentions about how he said in this in the fans forum how the football and, I, and this is, he quoted this wouldn't exist about the hotels and concerts. That's fantastic, but the way, I feel like the wording with Sweeting, the way he's wording that is that the football is the third most important thing in a stadium, mm-hmm. yeah. and that is that is almost unforgivable. And and bear in mind, why have we got to this stage where the football is arguably the third most important thing in the stadium? Well, it's, as Jerry mentioned, by the club not capitalising on you know the city's potential or the club's high points. We were getting those thousand away attendances at home. We were having to play our semi-finals. You know, we're about to get promoted. Um, and you know that not happening as well as little things like discounts is is decreasing attendance week on week. And if they think family funding is going to solve this to get a few kids in, no, they've got no chance. Um, and yeah, the takeover talk. And I spoke to Joe on his pre-recording, but. Every time I hear Winkham and speak at the moment, it's about takeovers. Every single time it's like, oh, maybe this happened, maybe that happened. I'm, have I taken the club as far as I can? He probably has. He probably has. Um, and I think these billionaire comments are very tongue-in-cheek, but I think the one thing I've taken from this season is that Winkleman is is very adamant on selling the football club. Um, 
I think he's still passionate about it. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he'd be coming to most of the games, you know, coming to the Trevor Wednesday away um, and things like that if he wasn't passionate. But at the same time, there's a reason why Liam Sweet is in a job. There's a reason why Simon Crampton's in a job. It's because he's not interested in the football anymore. And, well, not to the extent of investment anyway, and as he was, he was before. And I do generally think he's looking to sell the club. Um, that's what I took from it all, really. Rant over. What are your thoughts on Pete? All right, round two starts. <laughs> um, I, I completely agree with you. I think this guy is a black merchant. I think every time he speaks, we'll, we'll, we'll get the inevitable. If we do go down, we'll get the inevitable summer clip, like usual. Uh, I know the ambition about this club. Um, the investment on the pitch. Stadium's wonderful. We've got the training ground this. I'm sick of all this talk now. It's 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 is done. He needs to what he needs to do is he needs to do more more actions instead of talking. Because of at the end of the day, this training pitch he's been t- talking about for what two years now nearly, and he's only literally just got permission. Yeah, I I I do understand these things take time, and there are ways of going around it. But there there was no transparency throughout this whole process. It was a case of fans had to look up line online about whether the, the permission got approved and then just going on to fan experiences on Saturdays. I, and I don't like saying this, I hate home going to home games now. There's, oh, they're rubbish, there's, mate. They're, they're terrible. Lewington's is nothing. The The bar at half time is nothing. You get served flat beer. I'm not saying that's the, that, that's the B-Lord and Endel. What I'm saying is they're not trying to promote Saturday. Like um, I was saying, saying to, um, Saying to one of my one of my mates, I was saying yesterday was the first time I saw the club advertise Cambridge at home, our biggest game of the season. Do you know how how big of a game that is? And they're they're only doing that yesterday. Like, what what are they playing at? It's like they're so slow and everything. They're always on the back burner, and I just feel with Pete especially. He I know he goes on about investment a lot. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of teams in this league which don't invest a lot, but they make use of what they've got. And I just feel with, with all of these shorthand promises of, oh, well, we're going to be in the Prem in five years' time or whatever it was. It's like, why are you coming out and saying that? And then when someone questions him, like the fans forum, he gets put under pressure and then he sits back and then Andy Standen and Liam Sweet and take the blame for him. That's... That's a bloke under pressure who doesn't have the answers, so he def- deflects the blame onto his colleagues. And I just feel that's so wrong as an owner because of he's, he talks about oh he wants the best for the fans and this and that. But if we if we if we want if we're asking questions, we want the proper answers, whether we're going to like it or not. I think the fans would respect him a lot more if he gave a straight up answer and. Yeah, you, as as you say, Liam, he he talked about obviously investment coming from elsewhere. How he realizes that he hasn't got as much money as he thinks. So why is he sending us down a loophole into League Two? Because of what you think, money's just going to fall out of somewhere in League Two. No, of course it isn't. We're going to be in even more financial trouble. And yeah, you you talk about us being third choice. Well. Them closing down the cow shed bar when the darts is on and the snookers on, that says a lot in itself on match day. 
that says a hell of a lot. And I think at the moment, he doesn't cover himself in any glory whatsoever in my eyes. And yeah, you can tell he is a passionate bloke and he wants the best for the football club. But your intentions of the best for the football club isn't always the best thing for the football club. And I just feel at the moment we're sinking and sinking and sinking. And Winkleman's basically basically saying, Sweet and Jacko, you get us out of this. And it, it is bad. It is bad. And I think I'll speak on behalf of the fans here, but I just think he's blagged his way for way too long now. And it's taken Toby Locke to send an article out to make them speak upstairs. And that's the most disappointing thing. Yeah, I say, of all people, least best I expected to release the article was Toby Locke. Um, and I know, I know that... Um... I hope we're allowed to say this, but I know that Free uh, Seattle is a bit also at the weekend regarding the game in terms of like fan opinions, things like that. So, yeah, they're, they're def- definitely covering it, that's for sure. And I think the one thing I'll leave, I'll leave on with Pete is that, you know, he chats about leaving a legacy with a training ground. Well, the only legacy he's leaving currently is his club going in the bin. Um, and I, you know, training ground is, you know, he talks about the one thing that he wouldn't before we get training on straight away. Well, that's fantastic, mate. We're 15 years down the line now, whatever it is. Um, and He's going to need money for that as well, by the oh, way. Oh, of course he is. Yeah. Where, where do you think, Um, well, apparently we spent a bit of money this summer. We have, to be fair. But where do you think the rest of that um, transfer is going towards? Well, he's waiting for the sell-on fees for Matt O'Reilly and Scott Twine. This is the golden carrot. Oh, that Matt carrot. O'Reilly one's going to be sweet. Yeah, the, the, these golden carrots. It's, it's poor because they're, they're taking such a massive gamble. And we can talk about these selling clauses, but until it actually happens, I don't care. I don't. I, I literally don't care about that. I'm caring about what's what's happening this weekend, and it's the biggest biggest game of our biggest game of the season. And quite frankly, the club haven't done anything to promote it. Well, speaking of this weekend, um, we'll take a short little break and we'll get into that Cambridge game, family fun day, uh, stadium game. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, Duffy. You said it's the biggest game of the season at Cambridge at home on Saturday. Um, I don't think it'd be an entertaining one. I'll say that for sure. You know, two teams that are in a relegation zone, both need three points to balance each other. Obviously, Cambridge drew against as Morecambe on a Tuesday night, so they've gone above us in the table now. Um, but you know, with with the gap to um, you know, twentieth, you know, three or four points now, the three points here is vital, and it's going to come down to who wants it more, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. It's the worst home form team in the league versus the worst away 
form team in the league. And Cambridge can see goals for fun. We can see goals for fun. Um, I just, I've got such a strange one for me because of, I can see this finishing nil-nil. Both teams don't want to lose the game. Um, but I don't want us to go into the game like that. I want us attacking this fixture. And if I'm seeing the same stuff what I saw against Port Vale, well, I won't be staying in the ground for long. I'm sorry. Just just a fight. that You've got to have some fight against Cambridge who are sitting one place below his level on points. And whoever potentially gets the three points could end end up outside the relegation zone, maybe. Very close to it. be like, I have a goal difference or a point or, off, one of those or two. Or a point off. Yeah, so it's just such a huge game. And I think whoever wins this um, will probably be the only team which challenge Accrington in, in my eyes. I, th I think Morecambe are a good home team. I just feel like their away form will let them down. Um, away from home, they are poor as well. Um, we know we know what we need to do. I think it's on us on Saturday. I don't feel like Cambridge have got anything. Well, they have got a lot of threats in Joe Ironside, obviously. Um, Nibs, you got you got some good Sam Smith. You have got some really good players for Cambridge, but I just feel the, it, I just feel like everything's on us at the moment, and it'll be on how we set up and how we approach the first fifteen minutes, um, whether the fans get up for it. Um, the players get up for it. Um, I just feel two teams struggling. I just, I, I can't see anything other than a draw, but I hope I'm wrong and Don's win 4-0 because of, I am losing hope and I, it's not, it's not often, I, I, I'm like, I'm like this about Don's. It's just, I just feel like at the moment we're, we're in a landslide or free fall as such. And um, we need some, we need a result or something to get out of this because of if we don't get a result in this game, I struggle to see where the result's going to come from. Yeah, well, if you're looking for optimism, mate, you're probably the wrong person to come to in terms of me because <laughs> I, I know exactly how this game's going to go. Um, I think it'll be very, very similar to Lincoln away in the first half. Um, so in terms of... Open play XG, by the way. So both these, both of us are in bottom five in the league. That's unexpected. We're both in the bottom five, uh, bottom four, bottom five in the league anyway. But the key thing for me is that Cambridge's pressing data is the worst in the league in terms of they, pre they press the least. And obviously we saw Brilliant. what happened at Lincoln. They just, just literally, they might as well have been statues to stand in there and Tucker and Jules would be like pinging it around with each other like it was a training <laughs> match. Um, so obviously... It's been very similar to that infamous first game of the season where I was watching the game instead of being in uh, the Hungary qualifying, where Don's like, I've got all the ball. Um, they'll probably have like 65% possession, 70% possession. Um, one of the centre backs will make a mistake, or uh, the pivot will make a mistake. Nibs will be there, bottom corner, 1 0. Um, and that'll probably be a game, to be honest. Uh, I, I can't see, I think Don's have chances for sure, and they'll, I think they'll have to create chances if they want to stay in this league, especially in this game. Where this in, but when when you see that you know Don's are, in terms of team style, like the the most slow and intricate team in the whole league, um, compared to Cambridge, who, you know, are, are a bit more faster and direct compared to to, to Don's. You know, it 
the, the writing's on the wall in many ways. Not not just and and not just for this game, but for me this season, it's just been really really poor, um, as we all know by now. And as I said to you, I don't see the lads getting enough points to stay up. Um, I had them drawing this game in my prediction. Um, funny enough, I had them beating Lincoln, but it felt like a win because I got how late we got the equaliser. Yeah. Um, but I was losing to Port Vale, and I've got us drawing this game. Um, well, we. Are- I'm just looking at the next three fixtures. I know, obviously, we'll speak about it next week. Cambridge, Cambridge, home, Accrington away, and then Morecambe at home. If we want to stay up, I think nine points is a must. Yeah, probably. Right? Because of after that, we've got Wickham, top six, Portsmouth, fighting for um, playoffs, Derby, fighting for playoffs. There are next three after them three. So out of them, them, them tougher three games, I feel like zero points, zero points, zero points the way we're playing. The next three, we we have to get maximum points because of if you if we're looking at points per game from last year, we're looking at about forty seven points, and I can't I can't see where the seventeen points are going to come from this season yeah. if we're playing like we are. Yeah, no, you're completely right, mate. And it's, it's not even not getting enough wins. I mean, and not, that's not creating that, that's us winning our games. That's not depending on Accrington, Burton, or Oxford picking up results because of Oxford haven't got a manager, so you expect. The players to start performing. Burton, that they, they are good against top teams. They they get they get results against top teams, and then against bottom half teams, they struggle a bit more. But then Accrington's Accrington, obviously we play them next week, and I think the proof's in the pudding if we lose against them. But that's a whole different story. I just feel in the next three games you ha- you have to be winning, you have to be getting nine points after losing against Port Vale. Yeah, and I think I think a lot, a lot of people said about Accrington game. You know, I think the Cambridge game is way, way more important, and I think it's it's yeah, more 100%. defining. Um, you know, if we if we can't beat Cambridge, who bear in mind, you know, they're, they're as bad as us really, and we are really bad. Um, you know, if we can't find the quality to beat Cambridge, I, I would say we're as good as down. To be honest, uh, I can't see us. I can't just keep winning Accrington. Accrington are actually aren't a bad team at all, really. And and it's the same with Morecambe. I know their way record's poor, but they are actually a good team. They're just and they've finally got Cole Stockton back. He's of course scoring goals once again. He'll keep mm. them up. And he'll he always every single season he'll do that, one hundred percent. Um so yeah, I mean, if you can't win, um, I'm I'm ready to uh, write us off, to be honest. And it's really bad because ten games to go right that you took your own team off. But yeah, they're not showing us anything, are they, really? There's nothing. I think a lot of listeners will be listening to this and thinking we agree. And I've I've spoke to plenty of Don's fans and they they I've spoke to them a few weeks back and they were saying, Oh, we're the writing's on the wall. So for us to come out and say now is yeah, the writing's on the wall is it's not harsh, but it's not saying we want us to go down because of, no, of course if not. we get proved wrong, I'll happily get proved wrong and I'll happily say, Yeah, I was wrong. But until I see that and I see see these players giving us something cheer about I won't change my opinion unfortunately yeah yeah you're not wrong mate um right before we close off let's chat a bit about the players championship I know Jolly wanted to chat us about us to chat about golf and funnily enough me and you especially when the majors come around are into our golf um shamelessly so not to go too in depth on it just give me your fancies for the weekend obviously it's starting today as this comes out but give us your fancies for the weekend um I've I said to you, I think Patrick Cantley is a really good shout. Um, he played, he played well. Obviously, j- weekend just gone. Um, he wasn't. 
he had chances on the back nine to to um, get a few birdies, but I think a lot of them, their asses went. Speed, yep. McElroy, Hovland. So <laughs> Hovland, <laughs> sure bet. Um, no, but all of them had chances to win it. So, um, but Cantley being within the mix is is good. Um, and obviously, players championship. A lot of players will struggle on the on these courses, sort of courses, and the links courses. So um, they've got plenty of sea or water as such. Sorry, um, and I feel like we we will see a lot of bogeys. Yeah, I, and my other picks, Jason Day. He doesn't he doesn't um, bogey a lot of the time, especially going around this course. Um, and I just feel. If you're consistent and you're just getting pars and you're grinding out pars and then you, you have flurries of birdies, I just feel like um, you're always going to be in the mix. But obviously, you're always going to have Spieth, Rahm, uh, McElroy. It's just a shame that Cameron Smith won't be playing. Um, he did wow. he did mention about him going around the course, but I don't see how that will go down. A defending <laughs> champion who... Uh, <laughs> yeah, one of he one did. of my good mates um, works at Camp Smith actually, so it's interesting to see the hear the behind the scenes about his his uh his players situation. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he no, did, I, he I'm did on, say I, no, but he did say it was a tongue in cheek comment though. Oh, of course, yeah, mate. It was like it's like Winkman billionaire. Come on, same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I like Day actually. I only mentioned him to me the other day, and I had a little look, and yeah, he's so he avoids bogeys. He's got a good scrambling rank, which is what I look for, especially in these tournaments, because you need to have that um a good ability to scramble, especially at bad shots, because of how big of a variance this course has. So yeah, I did back Day myself. Um, other two main plays are Justin Thomas and Hovland. Um, Hovland basically owes him money. Um, he would have placed and then he bogeyed the 72nd hole of the weekend, which really, really wound me up. Um, his head just went essentially, and that, and, that, and that's fine, I guess. But he's in good form, and I think he's one which people have been put off based off the weekend. And yeah, JT, when, when Justin Thomas is on form, no, he's best player on the course, very similar to Rama McElroy. You know, there's a reason, um, especially Rama McElroy are like top tier in terms of like. We look at golfing models in terms of this tournament, they're the top guys because they are the two best players in the world uh, currently. And then, yeah, I've got a few others, but um, Tom Kim is another one, again, who's avoids bogey. He's got a decent scrambling rate um, and is decent around the green in terms of putting also. So, yeah, I'm considering his, I think his odds were like 50, 40 to 1, considering he's like a top, I think 17th in the world at the moment. So that doesn't really add up in terms of his odds. So, yeah, it's... um. Of course, you are having a little gamble, like gamble responsibly as always. But, you know, we, me and Ross just really enjoy watching it. And um, it's a nice break from watching the stuff happening in Milton Keynes because it's, uh, as you can imagine, it's not it's not very uh, pleasant to watch at the moment, as I'm sure you all know. But uh, no, no, we do enjoy our golf and we did enjoy the F1 last weekend, despite it being a, a pretty boring race, considering Verstappen basically ran away with it with like a minute to spare or something stupid. But uh, thanks everyone for listening this week. I appreciate it's in a bit of a ranty one, but hopefully we we got some points across that you had on your mind, some points that we had across on our mind. And um, yeah, who knows in a few weeks, we can be chatting about some other stuff, but um, hopefully the lads can can sort it out and and get us a, a much needed three points against Cambridge uh, heading into another two big games against Axel and Morecambe. But until then, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.